Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 150. Royal Caribbean has been actively working to revitalize many of its cruise ships over the last few years, and each multi-million dollar project has resulted in new and improved experiences for guests across the ship. Perhaps among the most impressive updates any Royal Caribbean ship has received is Liberty of the Seas, which had a lot of work done to her earlier this year. Someone who just was on Liberty of the Seas earlier this month joins me this week to discuss the changes made to the ship as we review his recent cruise. Here we go. Going on any Royal Caribbean ship is always such a treat, and frankly, I would sign up for any ship in a heartbeat to be able to go on one right now. But you know, when it comes to Royal Caribbean refurbishments, when they do the work they do to the ship really makes it feel like it's a brand new ship. And today we're gonna to be talking about one of those recent refurbishments, Liberty of the Seas. And joining me to talk about this is someone who just went on Liberty of the Seas. It's Rob Chang from California. Rob, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hey Matt, great to be back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We had you on a little while ago talking about one of your other recent cruises, and when you told me you went on Liberty of the Seas, well, first of all, I was very jealous. And second of all, I <laughs> wanted to get you on here because Liberty just went through really in a very impressive month-long dry dock in January 2016 where she got a lot of new features and things that are not just you know nice to have, certainly, but also some things that were brand new uh, for any Royal Caribbean ship at the time, and we're going to talk all about that. So, Rob, let's talk about why did you pick Liberty of the Seas? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because we, you know, last time you interviewed me was on the Liberty of Seas before the dry dock, and we chose this, you know, I mean, partially because the new ports. We, I've never been to Cozumel and, and Grand Cayman and Jamaica, but knowing, you know, reading your blogs and, and finding out all the different changes that were going to be made at the dry dock, dry dock, we got so excited that we said, this is going to be a new ship. This is not going to be the same ship that, that we took last year. And we said, let's do it. We want to find out what is going on with this dry dock. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk. I think I want to focus on a lot of the changes to Liberty and get your firsthand review. You're our, you're our, I would say eye in the sky, but you're our man on the ground or was on the ground. Now you're back home. <laughs> but nonetheless, you're, you've got firsthand experience. I haven't been on there. So I want to hear all about it. Let's start with the water slides. Now, there are uh, two new racer slides called Cyclone and Typhoon. And these are basically, these are the same slides actually Royal Caribbean ended up adding to Harmony of the Seas. They actually have three of them, but nonetheless, oh. tell me about the the two water slides, the Perfect Storm slides. What did you think of them? Were they cool? And how many times did you do it? Okay, so we did it, uh, I personally did it probably about four or five times. My kids probably did it a dozen times. The friends we went with, they just went up and down like crazy. Um, so it was, it, it's really super fun. You basically race against each other. There's, a, there's an orange one and a green one. And there's actually a timer on the bottom. So you just go down there. Now, I have to say, uh, there's no weight limit on it, but for the bigger people, I, I somehow I feel like I I don't know maybe I'm too big or something. I'm not, I'm not that big, but I slow down. I, during the middle, I literally stopped in the slide and having to push myself down the slide. Wow. Yeah, it was, and and a friend of mine actually said the same thing when he went down, and he's definitely thinner than I am. So I'm not sure it's a weight thing or is it just a gravity thing, but somewhere right in the middle, it does kind of slow down. So you kind of have to just. Just use your arms and kind of paddle your way down. Yeah, um, do a but, bit of the scooching. Yeah, scooching, exactly. Right, right. Um, other than that, I mean, fantastic. Once you get, that little, get, through that, that, get through that little section, you're absolutely fine, and, and it's really fun. How old are your kids, Rob? Uh, six and, uh, and going on 11. So, How did the six-year-old handle it? Scared? Not scared? Oh, my God. 
No, not scared at all. And you know what? I think being that it was kind of slow right in the middle actually made her feel, you know, not as intimidated with it. So she goes, oh, and she goes, it was kind of slow, you know. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we might talk about the splash zone later on for the kids, but it, it, that little little uh, 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 tube there was actually faster than the big one, than the, than the cyclone and typhoon. Just and FYI. I'm, a, I'm actually watching a video that we have on our YouTube channel, and it looks like not only is it a slide, but you actually – they have visual effects inside of it, right? Like little lighting and – Right. I mean, it's not really lighting. It's just, uh, it, you know, it has a uh, gaps of clear uh, plastic. So uh, so the sunlight, you know, gets through there. So it does look cool. And I think the orange one has like uh, uh, lines and the green one has circles. Cool. So let's yeah. talk about the other. Now, the big thing, this is something very cool because uh, Royal Caribbean actually added another water slide. This is a brand new slide. Never before. First on any Royal Caribbean ship, it's called Tidal Wave. And it's the first boomerang style slide at sea. And unfortunately, the ship... Liberty of the Seas refurbishment happened in January, but the slide never opened. Uh, they were running into a lot of issues with Tidal Wave, making sure it was going to be operating safely. And, right. And so unfortunately for many, many sailings, since January, and we're in June here, that it was not operating at all. But on your cruise, they actually for the first time yes. opened it up. Tell us what it's like to go on Tidal Wave and was it worth the wait? Oh, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, when we first got on there, they had told us that Tidal Wave was not approved yet to be op, you know, in operation. So we were completely disappointed. But I think it was like the third or fourth day, and, um, and we were on that you know, Cyclone Typhoon you know, uh, 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 line, and the guy gets on the, you know, the, uh, the microphone and says, we're now opening Tidal Wave. We're approved to open it. And we just rushed down and got in line. We were probably the first maybe 10 people to get on there. Oh, wow. Incredible. Now, first I got to say, Tidal Wave, there's both an age and a weight limit. You've got to be 12 years old and 100 pounds minimum, okay, per person. It's a two-seater tube, so that means you've got to have two people. But the combined weight cannot be over 350 pounds. This sounds like one of my elementary math problems. Johnny is riding know. on a bike at three miles an hour. How many miles do they have? <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, they weigh you. There's a scale. So, so they have <laughs> they yeah. do a scale similar on North Star also. I remember seeing that too. And I was like, oh, this is kind of awkward. It is, especially having, you know, hit the buffet, you know, go to Whip Camera <laughs> a few times, you know, by the third day, you you're up about five pounds already, you know. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so me and a buddy of mine went on there, and like I said, I'm a little bigger than him, and we barely got under that 350 pounds i mean he, she looked at us and she goes you made it just wow. barely <laughs> so for those unaware the what what a what a uh what a boomerang style slide is basically you go down you go on a raft like like rob said and you go up this vertical wall as you come down the slide and there's a little moment of weightlessness as you go into a kind of a free fall and then come sliding back down was it fun how how, how cool was it so cool okay so that first drop it's that uh, there's only one drop, but that main drop, it, it is you know equivalent to you know any roller coaster kind of drop. But of course, you're on an inner tube, you're on a ship, you're over you know water. <laughs> All these variables makes it that much scarier. And plus, when it goes up, it, and there's this like a, a a a ledge, probably about maybe eight inches tall, your inner tube will literally hit that. And when it hits that, you're going, please don't go over that. 
And then, yeah. and then you look around, you know, for a, a quick second, and you just see ocean. You know, I mean, seriously, it is a pretty frightening, you know, moment there. And then you go, you're just hoping you don't go over the ledge, of course. And, <laughs> and then you come back down. Absolutely fun, such a thrill. I we did it like three or four times. Just so fun. Just absolutely so fun. Nice. Well, glad to hear that. The other thing, if you haven't got enough aquatic adventure for you. They actually added a new Splashaway Bay Aqua Park. Now, again, something else that was that eventually made its way to Harmony of the Seas. I saw this firsthand when I was on Allure of the Seas. I could, Liberty was next to so I, I saw it and actually go in there. But how, what do the kids think of Splashaway Bay? That Okay, so last year on the Liberty, there was nothing there. It was just a, a pool. So now they've got this whole zone, and oh my goodness, it was so fun. The slide itself, the, the tube slide, actually accommodates up to 300 pounds so adults can go on there as well and nice. that slide is actually faster than the uh than the the cyclone and typhoon like i said so um we went on that little thing and it, it seems like a little thing but actually it's a pretty good it's a pretty good distance and it's really fun I and mean, the whole place is it's not just kid friendly but it's you know we can go there and we can splash around and have fun with the kids too so absolutely great time absolutely great awesome. time glad to hear that and of course Arguably, if you ask me, more important than any of the slides. There's new restaurants on on Liberty. It's all about the food, people. And <laughs> they added uh, Sabor Modern Mexican, Giovanni's Table, and our bar. Where did which ones did you eat at, and what did you think? We did Sabor and Giovanni's Table. I did not get to the R bar. No, uh, but you know Sabor for definitely had to Sabor. Come on, Matt. You've talked enough, enough about Sabor. I had to try it. That's why you're on this podcast. If you said I didn't surprise the board, be like, well, Rob, I think we're going to wrap up this podcast. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> exactly. I told my wife, you know, my wife was like, well, we just had Mexican food in, in Houston, you know, at Galveston, yeah. right? And I said, no, I'm doing this for Matt. So thank you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> I was there. I felt like I was there in spirit. Oh, you were. You were. <laughs> so what did you think of some more? Did it live up to the okay. hype? Well, first of all, the ships that you were on has, uh, on Sabor, it was a la carte, correct? Well, no, I've, yes and no. Uh, I've been on both because Freedom of the Seas and Navigator of the Seas have it all. It's a uh, cover charge. Okay. Just like Liberty. Ours was a cover charge. So, so it was a flat fee. Uh, it was $20 for lunch, $25 for dinner. Um, and, uh, you know, it's all you can eat basically, you know. Um, and which is kind of deadly because we literally said, you know what? You know, just because I'm going to be on a podcast, I need to try everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's research, honey. I swear. Research. I've got yeah. to eat another taco. I look, I I don't want to do it, but it's research, you know. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> and and you know exactly because one guacamole that was not spicy is completely different than the second guacamole that was mild spicy. Rob, you what? are such a scholar and a gentleman. This is the kind of hard-hitting research you'll only find on the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. Please continue. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, so overall, the food, I would say, okay, first of all, guacamole, A+. Plus. And I've had my Mexican food. Boy, I tell you, from, you know, coming from L.A., there's a ton of Mexican food in a lot of the restaurants. Definitely right up there with the top guacamoles I've, I've ever had. You know? So uh, you go in there. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the, the flat fee, if it was just a la carte, I would go in there just for the guacamole and chips. So, yes. Yeah, I actually asked them about that. They said, no, you come in here, you're paying, you're paying the flat fee. Uh, overall food? Very, very good. Um, there's some hit and misses. Uh, we did try multiple items. You know, uh, uh, we felt like uh, the desserts were, eh, you know, but the main courses were spot on. Um, the uh, the uh, appetizers were really, really good. Oh, I just we like I said, we tried them all. So 
uh, overall, very, very good. You, you really can't miss. Just desserts were a little lacking, I think. It, they came with a little, a little dish that had a, uh, what is it, a churro and a flan or something like that. It was just okay. It wasn't that good. But other than that, very good, very good. All right. What did you think about Giovanni's table? That, my, my wife says that was the best meal she had on the ship, period. Better than lobster night, better than anything. And I agree. Did it you go for dinner or for lunch? For dinner. Um, they had the uh, filet mignon. Yes. Oh. Isn't that amazing? For, it's only on, so they have two steaks. For lunch, it's a different steak than dinner, and the dinner steak by far is way better than the lunch steak. I don't know why, but it is what it is. Oh, that filet mignon. Wow. Yeah, that, that was a home run. That, oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, we also had the uh, pork chop. And the, uh, now the pork chop, um, it was neat because they had the uh, little spoon that you can scoop out the, uh, the bone marrow. Ooh. And that was delicious. Oh, man, that was so good. Um, yeah, that was, so anyways, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just started drooling. Sorry. <laughs> Your excuse. Please continue. <laughs> Let me get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, very good, very good. Good. Uh, so that, that was good. And what kind of stateroom did you book on this cruise? Uh, we had the uh, same as the last one was a promenade uh, stateroom. We had uh, two rooms that were adjoining, and um, uh, 80, uh, 82, 8275 and 8277. So it overlooks a promenade. Okay. Now this was, as you mentioned earlier, this was your, uh, this was your. You've been on Liberty before. So Correct. what did you think, looking at kind of a holistically between pre refurbishment and post refurbishment, what struck you the most? What did you, what did you guys think about it? Now that you've you've done, you know, both sides of the coin. Oh, amazing! Uh, you know, I really think this is a brand new ship. It, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they said, "Ah, oh, I've been on Liberty before," trust me, it's a completely different ship. Yes, they've still got the promenade and you know Sorrentos and things like that, but things have really even the wind jammer changed. I don't know if you know this, but Izumi they make Izumi quality sushi now. They actually have raw fish in the jade section, right of of the wind jammer. Yeah, but last year when I was on there, they had, instead of the raw tuna and raw salmon, they had like a smoked salmon, which was actually very, it wasn't very good, you know. But this year, they had actually raw fish on there, and it was good. It was, and it said Izumi on there. And I asked them, I said, why is it Izumi? They said, oh, we're making Izumi quality, uh, you know, sushi now. Oh, I, I was very impressed great. with it. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have that last year. So even things like that, you go, man, things have really changed. They really, you know, really up the bar uh, on the um, on the Liberty after the the dry dock. So very, very impressed. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. And what did you think yeah. of the ports you visited? Oh, you know, we haven't been to any of the three before, and uh, and I have to say, uh, Cozumel, Grand Cayman, Jamaica, so much to do on there. But we, we went to Chichen Itza. Uh, you um, did. Yeah. What did you think? Oh, I was I. So we little backstory. Uh, when one of our last cruises, I think it was on Brilliance at the Seas, we were going to Cozumel, and I saw it on there. Chichen Itza is one of the like ancient wonders of the world. It's a Mayan ruin, but it's like the Mayan ruin. It's like by far the best one. But it's a bit of a hike to get there, uh, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. And so we both, set, my wife and I, said, uh, "We'll pass on it." But I, I was dying to go there, Rob, because I am a history buff, and Chichen Itza is like, in terms of New World. Um, uh, historical relics and antiquity kind of sites. I mean, this is really up there. What did yep. you think of it? Was it worth 
the ordeal to get there back and forth. Yes, and by the way, it's definitely an, or, an ordeal. Um, you know, I have a six-year-old and a, and a ten-year-old, um, and, uh, and and it's a three-hour ride there. We have to do a one-hour ferry and a two-hour bus ride, and of course, you know, take that back as well. So right there, traveling alone is six hours. You only have about an hour and a half there, you know, because we only have like a like a seven. I think it's a seven-hour window now. I say seven hours, but when you add three hours, three hours plus hour and a half, it's seven and a half hours. We were late getting back. And I'm glad that, I mean, if you're going to do this, you know, I would definitely do it through Royal Caribbean because if that ship leaves, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> but they wow. waited for us. Yeah, they waited for us. I'll tell that you. Is, that is a perk, by the way, of booking through Royal Caribbean with their excursions is that they will wait for you. Yes, exactly. Right. And, 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 you know, when we made the calculation, we said, uh, you know, it's kind of really close. We better do Royal Caribbean, not save, you know, 50 bucks through someone else or something. And, and definitely was worth it because, uh, like I said, we were, we were late coming back. But I'll tell you, getting there, once you see Chichen Itza, the actual ruin, it's breathtaking. I mean, it, it truly is one of the seven wonders of the world. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, man. Now, hot and humid. I know you have two little ones. I wouldn't recommend it for another couple of years because uh, the kids were definitely miserable. I mean, if you see the pictures, they're just drenched and they're, you know, yeah. <laughs> when is it over, you know? But for us, I mean, I'm a huge history buff too. I just said, I have to see this place and worth every moment, absolutely worth every moment. So. I'm jealous, Rob. I forget the water with the water slides for a second, which I am jealous of that too, and Sabor <laughs> and, and everything else. But Chichen Itza, that is, I, I'm totally geeking out that you went to Chichen Itza. So that is. Uh, I'm when glad to hear that it's it's yeah. worth it, but it is it is a hike. When you come through and you see that for the first time, it literally takes your breath away. It just wow. goes, you go, wow. You just got a moment, you just go, wow, just amazing. So yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, Grand Cayman, we did the Stingray City, and then Jamaica, we did a, uh, the Dolphin Cove was swim with the dolphins. Nice. Would you recommend either of them? I would definitely. Um, now. One, you know, one uh, caveat for the Dolphin Cove that uh, some people in our in our group took the um, Dolphin Experience over the Dolphin Swim. Don't do the Dolphin Experience. It's not worth saving that twenty bucks because you get to pet it and touch it and kiss it. But after you watch everyone start swimming with it and you know and and doing all these tricks with it, you're gonna go, wow! I want to be. I want to do that. You know, so. Do the dolphin swim. Don't save the money. Jump in the water. Have a great time with the dolphins. They do all kinds of things with them. So, yeah. Nice. What do we uh, What do we miss here, Rob? I know you have a little outline on your on your end. Anything oh, else that's gosh. important to, uh, to mention? Uh, let's see. Uh, got that. Got that. Uh, just um, oh, mini golf. We oh, yes. there's still a mini golf. People don't know that because a lot of people think that the slides took the mini golf away, and it did. But they relocated it and they revamped it, and oh my goodness, it is. It's by far, you know, an upgrade too. Uh, you, you know, the, they have like, you know, a bus and a little house that they, you know, you hit through, and oh, it's really, really fun there now. Oh, it's before, you know, yeah, before it was just like a, little mini, like, yeah, like a mini, um, you know, mini. Really, before it was like a mini, mini area. Now it's truly a mini, mini golf. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I saw photos of it. It looks very cute. They did a nice yeah. job with that, and that was unexpected. That was not on the list of things that Royal Caribbean was announced that they were going to do. So when they saw it, I was like, oh wow, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I think because they didn't mention it, everyone thought it was gone. So yeah. that really helped. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, one one little small thing that you know that happened was the uh, game room last year. The game room was overlooking the uh, back of the ship, and you can actually see uh, where you know, um, gosh, uh, where the flow rider was and all that. That that was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful room, fully glass. That was a game room last year. This year, they changed that to the suites lounge, and then they moved the game room to deck ten into this area that uh, there's no windows or anything. It's just like a little enclosed area. So. I'm, kind of disappointing there but the sweets people got a great sweets lounge now so there you go yeah yeah and that's about it i think as far as changes goes that i i noticed awesome well rob i appreciate you coming on here and talking to us a little bit about liberty i know a lot of folks have been eyeing that myself included and it sounds like they did a great job of that refurbishment and it's really like you said it's it's breathed new it's like a brand new ship really and if you're considering a cruise out of there, it goes out of Galveston, Texas. So if you're in the Midwest or really just anywhere you can drive there or get there easily, it's a wonderful uh, ship to go on. Liberty's been great for years. And with these changes, I think it really, really compels you to go. And the prices that you get on Liberty of the Seas is just – they're so competitive. I mean usually the two cheapest places to take a Royal Caribbean cruise out of are Galveston and San Juan, Puerto Rico. So to have Liberty of the Seas and get these kinds of prices, it's – it's always among the the most inexpensive cruises, but don't take that as a bad thing. It's actually a benefit, and it's it's and you just heard Rob say how much fun they had on there. So that's awesome, Rob. Absolutely, it was uh, w- definitely worth every penny. And you said, like you said, it was actually cheaper than our our trip last year too. So, yeah, even better. Wonderful, awesome, Rob. Wonderful. Thanks for coming on the podcast and talking with us again. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. We love to be on. Thank you. It's time to answer your listener emails. I love doing this each and every week. I invite every one of you to send me an email to talk about Royal Caribbean, whether it's a question, comment, thought, whatever's on your mind. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, royalcaribbeanblog.com. And don't forget to mention in your email your name and where you're from so I can say hello. And our first email is from Laura from Bloomingdale, Illinois. All right, it's Matt. I'm pretty new to cruising. I took my first ever cruise on Princess about seven years ago, and I loved it. I've decided it's been too long since my last cruise, and I wanted to spend my 49th birthday on a boat. I prefer the Southern Caribbean, so I looked at what options there were during December 2017 and had two choices, Carnival and Royal Caribbean. My parents have been on Royal Caribbean before and really enjoyed the cruise. That's where we booked. I'm very excited, as this will be my first time on a Royal Caribbean ship, plus all five ports of call are brand new to me. Since I have 550 days before my trip, I've been checking all I can about Royal Caribbean and the ships. I've watched about 10 YouTube videos, and then I found your blog. I read about 10 blog entries before I found out about the podcast. The podcast has made me really happy. I've gone through all the list of episodes once, listening to those episodes that deal with info for first-time cruisers to Royal, as well as anything regarding Adventure of the Seas, which is the ship we will be on. Now I'm going back and listening to all the podcast episodes. One of the topics I haven't heard you touch upon is special occasions. Both my dad and I will be celebrating birthdays while on the cruise, and his is a pretty big one. He's turning 80. How do I get something special done for him while on the ship? Any suggestions would be appreciated. Thanks for a podcast that makes me look forward to my next cruise, even if it's 19 months away. First of all, Laura, welcome and thank you for checking out the podcast and RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Love it. Thank you. It's gratifying, quite honestly, to hear that you enjoy the content we put out there. So to answer your question, special occasions and how to celebrate your dad's birthday, there are two or three things I could think of off the top of my head. Number one, in all your reservations, be it your 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 actual cruiser reservation or any dining reservations you make, you know, make sure you note uh, whose birthday it is. In this case, your father's birthday. So make sure that it's it's noted, duly noted in there. It may not result in anything, but 
it certainly helps that they're aware of it. I mean, if they don't know, they're not going to do anything necessarily, right? So uh, make sure you make a note of it. I would say if you really want to make sure something special happens, I would consider the Royal Gifts and Gear. It is a website, although I think there's actually a phone number as well, that you can go to that allows you to purchase certain things. So as an example, for when we went on Navigator of the Seas, and it was my wife's birthday, I had arranged to have a whole birthday decoration set and cupcakes delivered to the room to help celebrate. It was a surprise. So I bought it online. You tell them your sailing date, what day you want it delivered, and they will make sure of it. And you can go, there's a lot of different options that are out there in terms of, you know, whether you want to spend maybe 15 or $20 or you want to spend literally hundreds of dollars on things like that. That may be something to do. I think also when you're talking about special occasions, you know, a lot of things you can do is really it's about special meals, special uh, events. Uh, so maybe you book your, your father, you go to a, a restaurant. Uh, I don't think you mentioned what ship you're going on, but I'm assuming you're – well, if you're on an Oasis class ship, you go to 150 Central Park. If you're on a non-Oasis class ship, maybe it's just a chef's table experience. Maybe it's just chops and grill, something special and different. If you're on shore, consider that as well. That's another great way to celebrate. You know, maybe you're in Labadee, rent a cabana. Maybe you're going to uh, Cozumel. Uh, maybe rent – you know, go look into a yacht rental. You know, there's lots of different things you can do more than just the basics. So basically, do special things you wouldn't ordinarily do. Spend a little bit more money, yes, but it comes at the opportunity to really celebrate and say that you're, you know, you're <laughs> thanks and happy birthday and hope you're enjoying it. So it's a good email though, Laura, and I know a lot of folks kind of always wonder about that and, and how to make that happen, right? Next, we have an email from Teresa Campbell. All right, so hello, Matt. I've just listened to your podcast on the top 10 mistakes with great interest, especially regarding booking through a travel agent. Firstly, your travel agent sponsor will only deal with residents of the United States and Canada, so we can't use them. Very frustrating. I've tried a few different travel agents, both locally here in Northern Ireland and online, and so far, I don't definitely feel that I would do any better booking through them rather than Royal Caribbean. Sometimes I've seen better deals on our upcoming cruise and we've only had to pay our deposit fee and then there's nothing else to do. Or on one occasion, when we discovered that the inside cabin that we would be in on Splendor of the Seas was exceptionally small and we wanted to change our to a larger cabin, we were quoted over 2,000 pounds for the privilege, the cost of another cruise. Also, they require payment about 12 to 13 weeks before the cruise, where in Royal Caribbean it was around six weeks. Very important when you're booking more than one cruise in a year and are trying to budget. We currently have completed a back-to-back Caribbean cruise this year and have two more booked with Royal Caribbean, one to Norway, which includes the recommended Bergen, and would recommend, or would definitely agree, that it is very addictive form of travel and we're definitely loyal to Royal. So my basic of my question is, are there any cruise specialists in the United Kingdom that you or your sponsors could recommend for cruise fans on this side of the pond? Really enjoying the blog and podcast. Awesome, Teresa, and this is a great question. Now, first and foremost, uh, we should mention we do have a sponsor on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, but... Teresa's 100% right. They're actually, they cannot book anybody outside of the United States and Canada. This is an international rule. It's not like they don't want to take your business, Teresa. Trust me. They would love to take your money. But there's a lot of international rules and essentially in a really easy, shortened, 10-second version of explanation, you basically have to book within the country you're living in. So if you're listening to this in Spain, hola, you've got to book with someone from a Spanish travel agency. I do think, though, in general, I think travel agents provide... Uh, a tremendous amount of value to you, both in terms of time, convenience, and money savings as well. I love using a travel agent. I am very passionate that I feel that travel agents make your life easier, whether you're a first-time cruiser and you have no idea what's going on, or you've done it a bunch of times, like myself, and you know what? I just don't want to sit on hold with Royal Caribbean. With, like the situation you you outlined there, Teresa, where you know you want to maybe see, I'm in an inside cabin. I'd like to move it to something a little bit larger. What are my options? Well, 
if you book it on your own, you're going to have to go figure it out. You're going to have to get the spreadsheet out, write them all down, figure out the options, then call Royal Caribbean, wait on hold, then make the change, you know, then, you know, make sure everything didn't, nothing got messed up and all that kind of, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. Forget that. Man. I don't have time. I don't want to do that. I want to go on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I want to go watch YouTube videos. I want to talk to you guys on Periscope, which I do every day, uh, so you can check that out. I mean, I, I I just don't feel there's any value in that. More importantly, travel agents will do this. They're not interested. A good travel agent, I should say, is interested in helping you throughout the process. Not just the day you book, but every day along the way. And they're your advocates. So to answer your question, are there any cruise specialists in the UK? Absolutely. Do I need that I recommend? No, because I haven't used any, Teresa, and I can't recommend any. I would say what you should do, Teresa, is continue looking for a good one. What I would do, honestly, if I were in your situation, is contact a couple, you know, do a Google search and or ask some friends, but find, you know, three or four that kind of look, you know, decent, and then contact them. Not necessarily about booking something directly. Ask them four to five questions, maybe even questions you know the answers to, just to gauge a couple things. Number one, how fast do they respond to you? Number two, how knowledgeable are they? And number three, how well do you like them? It's a very much a personal thing, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you're going to be working with these people. Um, that's really the name of the game here, and they're here to help you, and they should be there to help you and make you make the whole process easier for yourself. So I would go about it that way, Teresa, and see what kind of lines up with you, because there is a travel agent for everyone. You've just got to find it, and I... Like I said, I am a huge proponent of using them. I think you're only standing to benefit. You got nothing to lose. Remember, travel agencies are should be paid by Royal Caribbean, not you. You don't pay. You should not be paying anything extra at all ever to use a travel agent. Uh, Royal Caribbean should be paying them the commission, and to you, it's just a free service. So that's why I'm a big fan of it. Thanks, Teresa. Next, we have an email from Carly who writes, As you know, I started listening to your podcast from start to finish and enjoyed listening to it. Looking forward to the next episode. So let me start by saying my name is Carly, or as you know, my Twitter name, CarlyMJ. Uh, MJ is my golden boy. I live in Australia. I went on my first cruise last November. She wasn't from Royal Caribbean, though. She was from the Princess Cruise Line. It was the Golden Princess. Went from Melbourne to New Zealand. Had a great time, even though we missed three ports. I did say I was going on Voyager disease, which I'm not going to go on that now. My friend, her parents, and our best mate are going on Explorer of the Seas, October 2017. And we're going from Seattle to Sydney, Australia, which is my second time on a cruise. My first time on Royal Caribbean. The question is, I have... The question I have for you is that, have you ever been on any other cruise line besides Royal Caribbean? And if so, which cruise line was it? Carly, yes, absolutely. I've actually cruised on Disney Cruise Line a few different times and Norwegian Cruise Line once. And my experience really was I really gravitated towards Royal Caribbean. I actually started cruising with Disney, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. But their pricing really turned me off, and that's what kind of pushed me towards Royal Caribbean. And then coming to Royal Caribbean, I just... Have been gravitated back towards it all every single time. I really enjoy what Royal Caribbean offers. I think Royal Caribbean really does a great job of balancing what you get versus what you pay for. Are there other cruise lines that are cheaper? Absolutely, but they probably don't give you as no, as much as Royal Caribbean. I think does. Are there other cruise lines that are you know that give you more? Sure, but they also cost you a lot more. Again, I think for that balance of a family cruise, I think Royal Caribbean really does really well, and that's why I've just continued to cruise with Royal Caribbean ever since. And Quite frankly, I've never looked back, Carly. So I'm hoping you'll have a great experience going on on Explorer the Seas, a trans, let's say transatlantic, trans Pacific, uh, going from Seattle to Sydney. Sounds like an amazing time. What a great way to get from point A to point B and see a lot of great places along the way. So I am jealous, Carly. It sounds great. Next up, we have an email from Stephanie who writes, Hi, Matt. I live in Utah and have cruised from Alaska and from Galveston. The choices of cruises outside of the East Coast are really limited, so I'm thinking about taking a cruise out of Florida, probably a week-long Western Caribbean cruise. 
Since I've never been there before, I have a few questions. If you're flying in, is Port Canaveral or Fort Lauderdale easier to get to? Is there a reason to choose one over the other? That's a great question. So flying into, it obviously depends where your cruise is going out of. I think, honest, well, here's the thing. Fort Lauderdale is like, the airport in Fort Lauderdale is probably like uh, a mile or two from the port. I mean, they're literally next to each other. Very easy to get to. That being said, I think it's easier and cheaper usually to get flights to Orlando, which is the closest airport to Port Canaveral. Port Canaveral is is on the coast. Orlando is in the middle of the state, but it's about 45 minutes away. So, eh, debatable, I guess. I I don't know if there's a reason to choose one over the other. Probably price would be the only one I can think of, quite honestly. Stephanie also wants to know, on the current cruise sail, I'm looking at Allure or Oasis. Is there any difference worth noting between those two ships? Honestly, no. It really comes down to some shows and restaurants and artwork, but I don't think many people really factor that into their considerations. They're virtually identical. Stephanie, uh, I would just go with whatever itinerary and or price that jives with you. Probably the only other difference is that Oasis leaves on Saturday and Allure leaves on Sunday. I don't know if that factors into your travel plans at all. Going out on Sunday means it may be easier to travel to Florida because, of course, you're coming over from uh, not quite the West Coast, but the western part of the United States. And as you know, I always advocate an extra travel day. So if you were to take a cruise that leaves on Sunday, you would not have to take, theoretically, a, another day off of work in order to arrive there on Saturday you know, and then take a cruise on Sunday. So maybe that might be the compelling factor right there. Stephanie adds, thanks so much for all the info you provide on the show. It's fun to listen whether I have a cruise coming up or not. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy the podcast. I love doing this. So always great to hear from you, Stephanie. Thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Matt Hintz, who writes, Hope all is well in sunny Florida. For our November trip, we're flying into Orlando and doing the Disney thing for a few days. We are then driving to Fort Lauderdale to board Allure of the Seas for the week. We explore. We explored flying out of Fort Lauderdale after the cruise, but it has become cost prohibitive. How reasonable is it to fly out of Orlando following a cruise out of Fort Lauderdale on the same day you disembark? It looks like after 3 p.m. might work. Does that sound about right? Great question. So, and perfect with the question we just answered. So, you're coming off your cruise on Allure of the Seas on Sunday. Flying out of Fort Lauderdale, expensive, especially compared to flying out of Orlando. Orlando is about two and a half, three hour drive, depending on how you drive, traffic and all that. But on a Sunday, there really won't be any traffic. It should be pretty simple to do. And if you're, I mean, worst case scenario, you're off the ship by 9, 9.30. I mean, I've never gotten off the ship that late, but theoretically it could happen. And that would mean that would put you at, you know, Orlando in the ballpark of 12 to 1, somewhere in that. I mean, geez, 1.30, 2 o'clock if you really take your time. So, yeah, I think that would definitely work, uh, Matt. 3 o'clock sounds about right. That way you're just not stressing, right? Because if you have extra time, you can always stop somewhere and go do something else. But, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, timing, I think 3 o'clock is more than fine. You'll probably end up with more time than you need, quite honestly. But, you know, why, why stress about it, right? So, yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's a great idea, especially if you're going to save some money. Uh, I would recommend, though, if you're going to go there, probably look into rental cars because I can't imagine an Uber or a shuttle or a taxi is going to be more cost-effective, but you know, you never know. Our next email is from Mark Hennessy, a.k.a. Mark in CT on the boards and Twitter. Hi, Matt. I wanted to thank you again for putting out the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast on Google Play. As a Google Kool-Aid drinker and a T-Mobile user, this allows me to stream the podcast without hitting my monthly data allowance. And as an aside, have you considered adding the podcast to TuneIn? This looks like the easiest way to get the podcast into the ears of Amazon Echo Alexa users. I have not, Matt, uh, Mark. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I, hey, why not, right? I mean, I don't know how many people would consider listening to it on that, but... You never know, right? What have I got to lose? So I will check that out. Thank you. 
Mark continues, I'm, hope- I'm hopping around and catching up on older podcast episodes, and I'm now listening to the How to Save Money episode, which triggered a few thoughts I wanted to share with you besides recurring the thought that they're way overdue for another cruise. Number one, as, a, as I said, I'm a T-Mobile user. T-Mobile's free international data roaming for data and texting are huge money savers. Couple this with a Wi-Fi calling-enabled phone and Voom package, and you have full connectivity, voice, data, SMS, MMS on land and sea. When we cruise on Oasis of the Seas in April 2015, I invested, quote-unquote, in the internet packages. Using Wi-Fi calling, I was able to check in on my parents in Connecticut from the comfort of our balcony. Our family, four of us, used Google Hangouts to send text messages while on the ship. And once we docked in Labadee, we all turned airplane mode off and were able to text and use data in Haiti. The same was true in Jamaica and Mexico. Both of my kids were able to use this on school trips to Italy and the United Kingdom. When my son got left behind at a restaurant, it only cost 20 cents for him to call his teacher. (laughs) Number two, we booked through AAA. Like a lot of travel agents, they added a lot of extras, a bucket of champagne in the room, dinner at a specialty restaurant. The catch was with the restaurant was that we couldn't make reservations in advance. They could only be used on a port night. Following your advice, I went to a restaurant as soon as we boarded and made our reservations. The receptionist at Chops was incredibly helpful. Sadly, Chops was heavily booked into the first two nights of the port nights. However, the receptionist informed us that embarkation day counts as a port day. As strict beefetarians, we thoroughly enjoyed Chops. Uh, number three, spa services. Following the advice of blog readers on Royal Caribbean blog message boards, I kept an eye out for specials at the spa. And on the second port day, the spa offered a few deals. While it was a savings over the regular price, it was still a shipboard price. Number four, if you really want to save money, don't forget your sunglasses. I managed to leave mine in the car in Connecticut. I ended up buying a very nice pair of Ray-Bans on the Royal Promenade. Let's just say that every time I put them on, I'm reminded of a little more careful when packing for a trip. All of which is a long-winded way of saying T-Mobile can save you money at home and on vacation. And if you have a good voucher, uh, they're only good on port days, be sure to double-check if embarkation date counts. You should probably get spa services on land and double-check your packing. You don't want to be buying sunglasses, sunscreen, etc. on board. I'm 51 years old. I do believe my wife reminded me about these sunglasses for another 30 years or so if I'm lucky. Thanks again for all you do on the blog and podcast. With any luck, we'll get a chance to meet up on a group cruise, maybe. Mark, great email. Love it. Thank you for the suggestions and the tips. And I know a lot of people swear by T-Mobile is here in the United States because of those benefits you mentioned. Uh, some of the things that T-Mobile offers other carriers do as well. As, as an example, I know AT&T allows now. Uh, calling over Wi-Fi, and I'm pretty sure Verizon Wireless does as well. Essentially, what it allows you to do is keep your plane in airplane mode, but connect to a, a strong Wi-Fi signal and be able to use your phone still, because basically it places the calls over the internet instead of using a cell phone tower. And in 2016, that is definitely a thing. So uh, good to hear. And I, you know, with all the advice you you offered there, I have been that guy, by the way, Mark, who forgot sunglasses or hats or something important back at home, and we have definitely. What we end up doing uh, is buying cheap, cheap sunglasses on land. You know, you go to your first port and you know you'll go to the souvenir stop, you know, store and pay five bucks for knockoff cheapo sunglasses because we figure, well, this is only for this trip and we may or may never wear them again. But I guess you figured it's better to go for something high quality, right? And you know what? The prices actually—I've done Amazon checking. They're not awful in terms of what uh, the sunglasses go for and some of the brand name stuff. It's just. You may not be able to take advantage of certain sales that are on land, but hey, YOLO, now you have a reminder. Like, you'll never forget that cruise, Mark. So, good stuff there. Thank you very much for the email. And let's keep things rolling with our next email. It is from Tyrone. He writes, my wife and I are big fans of the show. We took our first Royal Caribbean cruise last year on Jewel of the Seas and are planning our next cruise. We're addicted. My question for you is, if you've heard if there are any TV or cable shows in development focused on cruising in general and Harmony of the Seas in particular. 
I remember when the Travel Channel used to have Cruise Week, and I would assume that Royal Caribbean Marketing Department would be looking for ways to promote their newest ship. I've noticed in the past few years there hasn't been a new cruising travel show put out, like on the Travel Channel or Discovery, and wanted to know if you had heard anything, since you are in the media, wink and a smile, <laughs> keep up the great work. You know, it's interesting, Royal Caribbean used to do a lot more documentaries back in the day, or at least partnered with companies that would do documentaries back in the day. Uh, certainly five to ten years ago, I remember there were a lot of them, and there's actually, many of them can still be seen on a television network that you may or may not get, probably not get, but maybe you do. It's called A Wealth of Entertainment. It is a very niche travel channel that is available on some subscribers, and you can get it on your Roku box for a few dollars a month. Anyway, basically it's just a travel channel that has a lot of old documentaries, and a lot of these documentaries centered around Royal Caribbean ships, I would say, again, five, ten years old, basically before all the revitalizations came out. Like, the latest episode was, I think, Allure of the Seas before she had any work done on her. But in many of the episodes, I think, like, Navigator of the Seas is still based out of Miami, and, you know, it's a little dated, is what I'm trying to say. And it seems like they've, I don't know if it's Royal Caribbean's decision, or just the companies themselves aren't interested in making them, maybe a little column A, a little column B. I mean, probably the biggest fault I can say with them is that they become outdated very quickly, right? Uh, you know, in terms of upgrades and changes to the ship. That being said, I still enjoy them because I'm a huge cruise nerd and I love watching them. <laughs> Any chance I get to see them on, on TV, I'm like, hey, look, an excuse to watch something about Royal Caribbean. And I definitely jump on that. Uh, but it seems like they just, they being the company that whoever produces these documentaries are not that interested in doing them anymore or as interested as they have been in the past. I'm quite honestly not sure, and this is probably a better question for marketing or PR of any either the people that are developing them or Royal Caribbean themselves and I'm not sure we'll get an answer on that but it's a it's a very apt observation Tyrone that we aren't getting nearly the amount we used to get and I think that may be also due to the proliferation of the internet right people are getting more information that way than they ever did on TV right I mean in in terms like even going back to just when you know Wastes of the Seas debuted and they made a big deal out of that that was you know back you know, back in 2009, right? And that was a, it was a big deal back then. But nowadays, I mean, really, I think most people get their information on the internet. They're going to go to Facebook. They're going to go to YouTube and they're going to get their information there. And I, uh, the, granted, I'm totally biased in this because I happen to run a website about Royal Caribbean on the internet. So I, I, I like to think that's where it's going or that's where it is at least. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think also the reason why you don't see channels like the Travel Channel or Discovery Channel don't show them anymore. Well, that's probably because they're, they're more interested in showing cheap reality shows and you know trying to get their ratings up. And certainly that's that's a whole discussion about television today and marketing and all that. But it's a very good observation, Tyro. Thank you for, for bringing it up here. And thank you to everybody for checking out this week's podcast episode. Don't forget, if you want your email read, whether it's a thought, a comment, a review, anything on your mind about Royal Caribbean, I would love to read it. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, my friends, thank you so much for checking us out. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.